Well, I'm thirsty. <laughs> we should like make a blooper episode of us just. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kelly. Hi, I'm Aaliyah. Hi, I'm Devin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to I Can Relate. This is our second season, and I am so unbelievably happy to be here today. Um, For this season, we actually have a lot of new members, which is super exciting. Um, So what we're doing is we kind of split off into groups, and we're going to be talking about a few different topics, um, you know, when we want to be safe with COVID. Um, And today, what we're going to be talking about is racism. And we have Aaliyah here to kind of share her story um, and a situation that happened with her mom that deals with racism. Hi, I'm Aaliyah. And as as Devin said, said, this is a story about my mom. And it happened um, after 9-11, which was a big thing for us Muslims. I know you guys can't see, but I'm a Muslim. I wear a hijab. Uh, My mom also wears one. And uh, this was after 9-11. She was walking down the street with my grandma, and I think it was also my aunt, and some very rude gentleman uh, came up to her and tried to take off her scarf, which was, well, yeah, he tried to take off her scarf and then proceeded to throw the middle finger in in her face. And obviously my mom was confused at first, but in the end, she ended up shoving her middle finger in his (laughs) face as well. And according to her, her middle finger was bigger than his. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's kind of crazy that you um, bring up that topic because today in debate, we're actually doing um, book talks. And this girl actually had a book over Mm 9-11 and um, why it happened, America's role in that. And, you know, it just kind of brought back the realization that after 9-11 happened, there was so much xenophobia and racism that came out of that. And, you know, the girl who was presenting made a really good comment that there's so much, um, still now, but especially then with so much uh, miseducation on the effects of 9-11 and why it happened. And I think it's so disheartening to see so many people, especially in this country, who you know, take a situation that they're absolutely not a thousand percent educated on and make these very broad assumptions on entire, uh, not only race, but like religious group of people. So how do you think like that has affected your mom after that? Well, um, I asked her because obviously when you hear that type of story, you would hope that you would never have to deal with that. And she just said that it made her very on edge at all times. Mm -hmm. So she always would be aware of someone's following her. And at that time she was, she was in New York. Mm -hmm. So if someone was behind her, she would try and, but it's also New York. So like there's a bunch of people. Yeah, exactly. But she would try and be cautious of who's, uh, who's around her. If they seemed reading their body language, if they seemed like they were being more aggressive or watching her, she would be extra cautious and she would never go out alone after that as often. Mm -hmm. It would only be like, um, we lived close to each other, our family. We like to stay close to each other. So it would be separate apartments. Mm-hmm. So she would only go apartment to apartment, but she would never go like down the street to the corner store. She would be very careful. Yeah, and I knew that you told me that you were from New York, and I couldn't even imagine like a Muslim woman, a Muslim family um, living in that area at that time. You know, that's I would be terrified, honestly. Yes, my family has a lot of girls, mostly boys, but there are some girls. Mm-hmm. And they said that it was like you had to be a team and it was a project Absolutely. to get out. And all yeah. of them were hijabi? Um, my 
my grandma is hijabi, but she wears it very loosely. So, like, sometimes it falls off. She doesn't monitor it as much. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. But she's older. And my mom and my aunt are hijabis. Yeah. Is yeah. Are a majority of the women in your family hijabis, or does it just kind of, like, vary it from varies person to person? Because it's not even age, because I know a lot of people have the con uh, conception that it is, if you're older, you know, you reach a certain age, it is forced upon you. Mm -hmm. It's never forced upon you. Yeah. And, like, I have an aunt who is um, in her early 30s, mm -hmm. and she doesn't wear it. Yeah. So most people would assume that a hijabi would start wearing it. Yeah. And so it just varies depending on what that person wants mm -hmm. and if they're comfortable doing it. And obviously, if you live in a household that sees racism happen often, absolutely, you do not want to. It scares you to mm -hmm. wear the hijab. Yeah. Well, I think that definitely, like that, you know, perception definitely stems from, like you were saying, a lot of misconceptions about mm -hmm. Muslim people or just you know Islamic countries and stuff like that. Especially after nine eleven, with all of the xenophobia and racism that was happening, I think that you know when people see these governments, these majority islamic governments in the middle east and they conflate that with the religion and Absolutely. islam itself mm -hmm. and i think that they you know sort of apply those totalitarian ideas and stuff to mm -hmm. the religion and they think that oh this is oppressing women oh women don't have a choice oh this this, this and that and it's just really not the case and Absolutely. i think it's so harmful and it's very toxic you mm -hmm. know but yeah and to kind of branch off what you were saying into kind of a different topic was you talking about after this racist interaction happened with your mom, she was very scared and on edge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Calvin is a black male. I'm a black woman, more specifically biracial. My dad is black. My mom is white. Um, you're a, a Muslim woman. Yeah. Um, so I think all of us and so many other minorities deal in the fear, de uh, like conduct ourselves in the fear of not in fear of racism, but kind of always in the back of your mind, like, you know what, I'm a person of color, I'm a woman of color, I'm this and this and that. I'm going to go out into this, into the real world, quote unquote. Yeah. It's something you have to be aware Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're a black female or male or anyone of color or a different ethnicity, mm -hmm. you, you're aware of that. And if you're not aware of that, you're putting yourself in danger. That's Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's just, it's, and you guys would understand, it's just really no way to live. Yeah. Like, like you said, your mom you know, she was looking behind her. She was scared, mm -hmm. living in fear all the time. And a lot of POC, especially after events like 9-11 or, you know, and in the minds of so many people, especially in America and especially with white people, all it takes is one POC or mm -hmm. one person from one group to do one thing. And that's, you know, like we said with COVID mm -hmm. and um, a lot of violence happening towards Asian American people. Absolutely. People who are even, you know, born here and mm -hmm. never even been to China, to Japan. Yes. And, you know, we see all these different Asian people being conflated together into mm -hmm. one group and a lot of violence happening to them over something that they had absolutely no control over, which absolutely. is completely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it can't be themselves. Yeah. Right. So I actually just finished the book called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? And they made a really, she, or Dr. Tatum, who was actually uh, the ninth president of Spelman College. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Spelman is a notorious HBCU. And she, I feel like, many people of color but especially in the black community we see that we cannot be individuals um you know if a white male white woman whoever were to shoot up a school or rape someone or this and this and that um they're seen as an individual you know what can we do to help this individual but if it were to be a black male a white or a black woman any other person of color oh it's the black community's fault oh this a muslim person did that 
that's the religion's fault. And then you get into stereotypes like being ghetto. Absolutely. So, you know, like, you know, what you're saying, Calvin, it's really, I know me, you know, as an individual and kind of growing up, I have been very lucky to be privileged in my identity and never tried to look like a white girl. You know, I've never tried to straighten my hair. You know, I've, I've always been very proud of who I am. But I, with that being said, I've also had to maneuver around being stereotyped because I know um, if I, I have a feeling that if I'm put in this box at all, of a stereotypical black girl, I will not be able to achieve what I want because so many people, you know, see a black woman stand her ground or even a woman in general, but especially a black woman, especially women of color, you know, we speak up for ourselves, we do this or this or that, and we're seen as the angry black girl, you know, and that was a stereotype growing up that I really wanted to stray as far away from as I could um, because I didn't want people to think I was mean or that and that. But then, you know, growing up, Um, I kind of realized, especially after reading this book, that I don't want to live my life that way anymore. You know, if I feel the need to stick up for myself, I'm going to do that. But once again, it's very easy for me to say because there's so many other people, especially women of darker skin tones and darker complexions who have it so much worse than me. So, you know, talking about stereotypes, it's something that I feel like especially for minorities that kind of sticks upon us, you know, all the time. It's something that's kind of in the back of our minds or something that when people look at us, you know, stereotypes kind of probably the first thing that comes to people's minds. Yeah, I I completely 100% understand and relate and agree with that. We aren't allowed to be individuals. Mm-hmm. That's just the like you said, it's just the truth about our existence and we learned that from a very young age. I remember and one one of the instances that really sticks out to me about like stereotypes is um I was in class, this happened like my freshman year, Mm -hmm. and I was like going through uh, my grades. We use um, a program called Power School, and I was just going through, and I'm not trying to like flex or anything, but you know, (laughs) I am a straight A student, you know, I always get at least an A minus. I've only gotten like one B plus in like my entire school career. And thank you. Congratulations. So, you know, I was just going through my grades, and I was like, oh, there's an A minus, I really wanna get that up or whatever. I was just, you know, kind of looking at my grades and making sure everything was okay. And one of my peers looks over and she goes, oh my God, your grades are so good. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, thank you, you know? And she said, I didn't expect you, you know, to have good grades. And I don't know how she meant that. Mm -hmm. And if she meant it in the way that I took it. But at the same time, you know, it's like, what do you, like, why wouldn't I have Mm -hmm. good grades? What grade were you in again? I'm sorry? What grade were you in when this happened? This was my freshman year. Yeah. And to me, like knowing you for so long, that's such a surprising thing for anyone to say to you because knowing you, you just like scream and like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But yeah, like once again, it's stuff like that, that, you know, even when I go through school, I do kind of have that fear in the back of my mind. That's like, oh, she's like the token black girl. You know, she, you know, does really good in school and is super outspoken and is in so many clubs and she has all these close relationships with her principals and teachers um and seeing that like bothers me a lot because I don't want to be seen as that and I'm you know tell me if I'm wrong I feel like all of us have me maybe have felt that you know that teachers put on this different you know I don't want to be compared to like other black students or other students of color because I have no idea what the student is going through who happens to be a black male or black woman you know I'm no different than them I just once again have a lot of privileges in my life and that's something that I've been really scared of is being stereotyped that way as like this you know, token black girl or this token minority, you know, it's just, it's things like that, that we as, as humans should not 
that should be the last thing on our minds. I 100% agree about that tokenism. It's like, okay, we have two, we have two choices, you know? Mm-hmm. We can either be the stereotypical, and I say this with quotes for those of us at home, <laughs> stereotypical black, stereotypical Muslim, stereotypical Asian whatever person, mm-hmm. or we can shift from that and be the tokenized person that we're different from Absolutely. other people in our group, you know? And like, what does that mean? Yeah. And this never happens to white people. Like I said, white people are allowed to be individuals. Mm-hmm. They're never compared to, you know, they're the, the normal. And yeah. I say this with quotes. Absolutely. Again. They are the normal. And it's the need to put yourself in like a box. Everyone wants to put you in a box. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, when you put, when you add into the aspect aspect of being half black, half white, they don't know where to put you. Do we put you on the black Absolutely, side? Absolutely, yeah. Put you on the white side. Mm-hmm. Then your whole life, they're sitting there thinking, okay, she did this. Mm-hmm. That gives her a point for being, you know, black. Yeah, that yeah. No, no, you're right. And uh, that's another point for being white. And Mm -hmm. then, oh, uh, today, by the end of the week, oh, it kind of seems like you were more black than white. Yes, absolutely. Um, And, you know, also with that being said, being from a biracial background and, you know, being raised by uh, black women and being surrounded by my, you know, white family and white peers, um, once again, I come from a place of privilege to be able to say that my identity um, has not been something I struggled with. And once again, I um, give that medal to the women in my family, more specifically black women, who, you know, told me at a young age to just be confident in who I am as a person and me as an individual. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, from other people's eyes, they may want to put me in this box of like, oh, you're a black girl or you're a white girl. Um, and once again, it's just like, number one, that's not anyone's place to do. Um, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm more than like my skin tone and who I like, you know, there's more to me as an individual than that. And once again, going back to the same issue, people of color, color and minorities cannot be individuals. And like you're saying that you were never, you were never afraid of your identity. Yeah. You knew who you were. I applaud you for that mm-hmm. because as myself, I used to, obviously before I wore the scarf in mm-hmm. elementary school, I used to hide the fact that I was Muslim. And yeah. these kids would, they wouldn't, like, not bullying, but they mm-hmm. would pride me for the answer of, okay, so but what, what religion are you? Yeah. Who are, one time I wore, my dad owns gas stations. Mm-hmm. Because, so he owns a lot of gas stations, so we get free t-shirts. And one of them said, keep common curry on. Curry yeah. as in curry. Yeah, yeah. And, the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Curry. And then they're like, oh, so you are Indian. Like, we knew mm. it, your color. And then I was like, why does that matter? Absolutely. And I always try to hit, hide it. And then finally, in middle school, I started wearing my scarf, um, my hijab, in the middle of seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And then they finally were like, you could see it on their faces when they saw me after so long. They're like, I can identify you now. I was yeah. Like, Who? And I know they're not saying that, but when you look at the relief, almost the relief they feel when mm-hmm. they look at you, it's like, wow, that really mattered so much to you. Absolutely. You carried it on for almost seven, eight yes. years. Yeah. You know, and also with that kind of uh, going back to what you were saying, as an individual, for us, you know, my race, if it wasn't for racism, I honestly don't think my race would be a big deal to me, you know. Um, but... With that being said, um, in the book I'm reading as well, or read, Dr. Tatum talks a little bit about how we need to start educating people, um, more specifically people at a very young age. Yes, that's what I also Yes. Once you get it at a young age, because if you think about it, you wouldn't, when you go up to a little kid, they wouldn't Mm -hmm. be like, oh, well, she's black or he's Hispanic. They don't think like that. To them, you're a person. Absolutely. they, They judge by the mind and heart. That's it. And, you know... 
kind of saying two things here. You know, you're talking about the curry thing and they're like, oh, you're Indian. You know, once again, it's people who rely on stereotypes, you know, because through media and jokes, whatever, whatever, you know, a lot of people equate curry to Indian or Asian. And in reality, there's probably so many other, correct me if I'm wrong, other people, other religious groups um, who eat that food. Yeah. And even the the word curry in general, a curry isn't a stereotype. Now we're stereotyping. It's one specific type of food, but there's other like soupy. I know a lot of our food is kind of like soupy. Mm-hmm. Where I'm trying to relate it. It's more soupy and thick where you have like chicken bones and you eat yeah. it with like um, pita bread. Something mm-hmm. like pita bread. We make it at home, so it's called roti. So we did that. So it's like curry isn't, they have used that word. By they, I mean like people in society and mainly yeah. white people. <laughs> yeah, I mean. People. Go ahead and say it. Yeah. I wasn't sure if to say Caucasian or white people. <laughs> I was like, I'm formal. Caucasian or white people. Yeah. Whichever one you want. <laughs> but, sorry, go on. And so, yeah, they have created that as a word to just simply just say, like, oh, they're different. Yeah. It's not absolutely hamburgers and hot dogs. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, and also in the book I'm reading, she, Dr. Tatum, hits so hard on stereotypes. Um, and she talks about how, how a lot of people um, are in these areas that are predominantly white and you're a white person, predominantly black, and you're a black person, predominantly Asian, and you're an Asian person. So the only form of um, different, the the only way you see other people's races and ethnicities and cultures is through media and entertainment. And we see that a lot of times throughout entertainment, it is stereotypes. It's stereotypical. Um, And that's why I push so hard for multiracial communities and for people to be surrounded by one another because, you know, I do get mad at a lot of people for having these stereotypes but once again you can't at the same time i feel like because we were raised that way yeah that's what we were not that only way. that but it's like we are so consumed with media and movies and television so if you're a young you know white girl on tv seeing how uh, a native american is portrayed and i think i've seen a native american once in my life you know let's be real here you're going to take that stereotypical depiction of them and be like oh this is what Native Americans are, you know, and we need to start once again, going back is like educating people at a young age. And not only that, educating ourselves because, you know, and you kind of talked a little bit about how kids don't see race. And I agree with you, but Dr. Tatum did talk about how between ages of like three and five, that's when kids start seeing racial features, you know, differences of like, oh, your nose is different than mine. Or, you know, my hair texture is different than yours because we're kids. We start, you know, noticing different things. Um, But once again, hitting back to the same point, with that being said, we need to start educating these younger kids because um, if you don't, it just breeds racial ignorance. I, oh my God, I cannot stress that same point enough. I want to also go back to your point about the media and how important Mm -hmm. it is and how the betrayal of POC or the betrayal of people of, you know, different ethnicities Mm -hmm. or different you know, uh, religious groups, whether Christian, Muslim, Jew, whatever, is so important in the media, you know? When kids grow up watching YouTube videos of black women being aggressive Mm -hmm. and loud or stereotypical Mm -hmm. or not being seen as beautiful, they're just being the best friend, you know? Absolutely. They never have, you know, their own The black sidekick. Yes. When they grow up and they see, you know, um, instances of 
Asian men who are, you know, in the male category considered the uh, least desirable. Absolutely. Also being viewed as, you know, the nerd or mm-hmm. smart or whatever, mm-hmm. that is going to stick. And that is Absolutely. Going, and that's what they are going to, you know, absorb. Yep. And that's how they're going to, you know, perceive those people. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. The education and the media that we let our kids see Absolutely. from a young age is going to stick with them for their mm-hmm. entire lives. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be something that is going to be very difficult to get rid of. Yeah. So I think one of the first steps we really can take is just changing the way black women, changing the way Asian men, changing mm-hmm. the way all of these groups are seen in the media. Absolutely. First step. Yeah. And sorry to interrupt you, but coming from personal experience and thinking about growing up and seeing uh, the Muslim Muslim religion and even Middle Eastern people portrayed, you know, I don't even think I've ever seen Middle Eastern and the Muslim re- religion or people who practice that sh- shown in a good light, honestly. Yeah. And I 100% Me too. Agree. Yeah. I always feel like a, for me personally, when I put on this scarf, all of a sudden I have to prove my worth mm-hmm. and prove the fact that, you know, like I'm cool because yeah. you know me in person. I always, like, I'm always joking, and sometimes I can't shut up. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'm always joking, so I have to prove the fact that, hey, I'm funny. Even yeah. I have that scarf on, I can make mildly inappropriate jokes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you know, not this weird stereotype that people portray you as. And, you know, something else with that, when it comes to stereotypes and you being so different, you know, I uh, was raised by my, my dad raised my siblings and I, who happens to be a black male. Um, and I, I notice even when people go to my cousin's house, because, you know, my dad has two black brothers, obviously. Um, and, you know, they're extremely involved in their kids' lives. And, you know, I'm very close with my uncle Walton. So when we go to their house, um, or even when people ask me, like, so what's your parents' situation? It's very odd when they see that, like, I'm with my dad. Like, my dad has raised my siblings and I. Um, and for me, like, I find that odd, obviously, because I, I was always like, you know, I understand that it may be rare to see, uh, you know, kind of going back to the same thing. Is it rare because he's a male or is it because he's black or is it both? You know, um, and obviously from my point of view and personal perspective, you know, all the men in my dad's family are super active in their kids' lives and love their children. Um, so when people have that like kind of odd, like, oh, really? Um, it throws me off, honestly, every single time. And it really shouldn't because, you know, once again, it's the stereotype. But it's stuff like that that it's like, Going once again, going back to the point, it's like you need to educate yourself. You need to see that you know these minorities and these people from these different groups are not the stereotypes that you portray them as. I want to go back to where you said obviously education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said the kids that start noticing features like, oh, your nose is bigger than mine. Yeah, your hair's why is your hair curly? Mm-hmm. Why is it black? Mine yeah. is blonde. Uh, that comes, but it comes from you said racial ignorance. Absolutely. So if you teach that and you teach them that that's normal and that's still beautiful, mm-hmm. like you have an afro and I can, I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, like he has hair. Yeah. <laughs> and it's big and I, I kind of want to touch it, but I know. <laughs> yeah, no. So I don't, I never want to touch it, but you just think like fluffy. <laughs> but you think that and then you, you see it. And if you teach your kids that at a young age, like mm-hmm. I do that with my brother. I'm not my brother's mom, obviously, but, um. Just showing him that, okay, you know, like, so-and-so has, wears this, or wears mm-hmm. cultural clothes. You know, that's different. That's beautiful. Absolutely. And accept that and praise that. Like, give them yeah. credits for being able to be unique and not have to, like, mm-hmm. wanting to fall into a category. Yes. And, you know, even through most of the issues with the LSR 7 school district, I am very happy because I have been surrounded by, even though the minority group is not, where it should be. Um, what we do have, I'm very privileged to say that I have been able to 
make friends from so many different aspects and parts of life. Um, and that's probably more than a lot of people can say because I'm sure there are schools that I could go to to where I would be the only minority. Um, and I'm, I just want to say that I'm very privileged to have had friends or even current friends that come from all different walks of life who have been able to educate me. You know, my neighbor, neighbor, uh, my neighbor uh, who was who was a Muslim male, like I am so happy that we uh, were close at a time because he educated me so much on your religion and I felt like I am so much more educated on that, you know? Yeah, just having friends from different religions, cultures, different anything Mm -hmm. just gives you a better understanding of life. Maybe it's maybe it's even appreciation. Or Absolutely. Like that. It's just getting just to know that you're not living life in like a one straight path. Mm-hmm. You can see different stuff. Should it's really helpful and yes. it betters you. Mm-hmm. Yes, normalize uniqueness. Yeah. I Absolutely. Can't enough, you know. And I also want to touch back on your point when you said, you know, people need to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. That that is the first step. Is you know, you really have to start with yourself. I feel like a lot of, and this is with my experience especially, and my involvement with um, school, or mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, just being the only black kid in, ca- in class, people as POC really expect you to, you know, be the teacher, as well as all these other roles that are, and all these other stereotypes, et cetera, that are put on POC. People mm-hmm. also want you to teach them to how to unlearn that. Yeah. I also just really, I just really want to say, you know, for those at home and everyone, educate yourself. No Absolutely. matter what group you are, no matter what group you're in, no matter what, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. That is your job. Yeah. So, yeah. Even if you don't have access, because like you were saying, there are places that you can go and you can be the only one that's different. Or Absolutely. I don't want to say unique because everyone's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah. in a stereotype. Yeah, exactly. Just, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, something else that I was thinking about that I think is so prevalent now in current time, um, especially this past year, I've seen a lot of celebrities, a lot of kids just on TikTok, social media, um, who have like really racist pasts. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, they're young and they're this and they're that. And I'm like, I never... I'm not going to sit back here because I know that there's things that I've said when I was younger that I would never say now, but I was never calling someone like the, in well, I know I'm a woman of color, but still like, you know, it, it's, it's very like nasty, disgusting things that these people were saying. Um, and I think a lot of times so many people want to give these people like a pat on the back. And I want to let you know that like, I feel like racism and the effects of racism need to be treated just like mental illness is treated because people do not understand like the effects racism has on minorities and people of color you know you could say something very passive like oh you're pretty for a black girl or something absolutely blatant and horrible um and both of those things could stick with a person for the rest of their lives so you want to give this racist racist person a pat on the back but you're not even sitting back here thinking about the person that they affected with those words yes i think people especially white people mm-hmm. see racism as a misfortune yes. instead of as a true evil mm-hmm. and a true evil that is perpetuated by them you know absolutely this isn't something like you know that just poc are just experiencing this is a system this mm-hmm. is real this mm-hmm. is happening in real time no matter how small or how big absolutely yeah, yeah. i just and they would say disgust like you were saying they would say disgusting things that's where you're supposed to have um, where you have to reel them in and you have to tell them that, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Absolutely. And you shouldn't. That's why 
they think of it as a privilege, but then if you were to say, well, what does that mean? What yeah. Does that mean? Like, I'm pretty for a black girl. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a pretty girl. Yeah, say absolutely. That, if When they take that aback, like, oh, she corrected me? Mm-hmm. That's because of the privilege that people have had and yes. getting away with it constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also want to say, um, back to you, what, what you were saying about people you know, wanting to be praised mm-hmm. for not being racist. Yeah, it's very odd. Y'all, that is not cute, no. okay? Yeah. Trust me, POC, no one wants to hear about how racist, how nope. classist, how whatever you no. were. We don't care. First of all, we don't care. No. Second of all, that is kind of worrisome if yes, you think that's, absolutely. you know, appropriate. And second of all, or I'm sorry, third of all, you should not be getting praised for mm-hmm. the bare minimum. Absolutely. Basic human decency. Come on, guys. Yeah, human decency. That's yeah. what it is. You just don't need it racist and then get praised for it okay guys so after all that talk about you know talking about the issues that we see and the different uh, struggles that poc go through now it brings us to the question what to do next Mm -hmm. you know how can how can poc do things to help ourselves how can white people be better allies etc so i'm going to read you guys um some ideas that a local school board member um sent to us about um their views and ideas on how to help our community be better Mm -hmm. and you know have better conversations and be impactful so they sent us a list one educate yourself on the history of race in america this includes the history of chateau slavery and all its present implications two be courageous enough to listen to the experiences of people of color even when it's uncomfortable three use your voice to amplify those experiences four Take action using the knowledge you've gained to change systems of oppression in everyday life from the fault from the smallest, excuse me, to the largest issues. Be brave and don't back down. Mm-hmm. Now, out of those, I think number two sticks out to me or us. The yeah, most. for yes. sure. Because uh, mainly because of the use of the word uncomfortable. Now, yeah. All those points were great. Mm-hmm. And there are something that they're all something that we should talk about. But because she used the word or they use the word uncomfortable, we should definitely talk about that. Yeah. It relates most to what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to say, you know, the thing about, she said, be courageous. I understand, and this is, I'm not saying like, you know, anything as a, as an excuse or anything like that, you know, but I do understand that when, with white people, you know, some of the things that POC may say may completely shake their world, especially when you consider how a lot of white people are brought up yeah. or, you know, you know, the things they see in the media, like we were saying, you know, or they just may have never had any sort of exposure to POC. Mm-hmm. And I understand that a lot of the things we say or be are talking about may be so foreign to some yeah. people. So like you were saying, be uncomfortable and be brave. Let, I guess. Let's read number but, two again. So they know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Be courageous enough to listen to the experiences of people of color, even when it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That is just so important. Listen to POC. Absolutely. Oh my God. Listen to POC. We know what we're talking about. Yes. We know about racism. Yeah. Why? We because we experience racism. Yeah. Like, listen to us. Oh my God. I felt like uh, over the past year, something that I saw a lot was like the questioning of people of color's experiences and if they're valid or not. And, well, how do you know, like, that happens? Or how do you know that's a thing? And it's like... How do you know? I'm like, my dad has gone through this. My brothers, my uncles, my aunts, like, the neighbor down the street, you know. It's not just a one-time Absolutely. And it's... it. I feel like when, obviously, when racism is brought up and stuff like that, 
everyone gets uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable topic. If you get comfortable when the word or when racist topics are being brought up, that's really weird to me. But, um, you know, with that being said, do not question like people of color and like what they're going through because it's extremely invalidating. Um, and you know, like I said before earlier is, you know, racism is such a big, big issue and a big deal and it needs to be treated as such. And, you know, once again, there's so many people who have experienced, uh, so many racist, um, situations that have affected them for the rest of their lives, uh, things that people may not even think about. So, with that being said, you know, you wouldn't talk to a war vet about war and question that and question the validity of what they're saying. So why would you question a black person or an Asian Asian woman or um, a Middle Eastern person about their experiences and what they've gone through? And then if that war vet had PTSD, you Absolutely. wouldn't try to sit there and validate that PTSD mm-hmm. or say it's not real. Absolutely. Or that pain isn't, you know, is just fake. You mm-hmm. know? I just want to add that there's two different types of questioning. There's not curiosity, but I want to say questioning as in not validating them, invalidating a person yeah, yeah. in their experience. And there's questioning of curiosity and wanting to learn. Yes, absolutely. Education comes Great in, said, greatly yeah, said. Where you can talk to a person who wears a hijab, a person of color, mm-hmm. that you can talk to them about their thing and be respectful in their boundaries yes. and don't downgrade them. Mm-hmm. But also learn because you don't know about something. Here. But I do also want to say it is not the job of, you know, oppressed peoples marginalized peoples to educate you Mm -hmm. that is your job now some people may feel comfortable or may be okay with educating you some people don't if they don't you know that is okay and it's Mm -hmm. really not their job yeah you need to do that yourself if it's a google if you can google the question i would google it first or Mm -hmm. if it's you know but if it is something that is if it's a question that pertains to that specific person and their experiences Mm -hmm. with racism or whatever then okay Yeah. And also with that, you know, hearing a person of color talk about the racism that they've gone through, if you get offended, I think that's something that you like hearing this person, you know, discuss the issues and the racism that they felt and you feel offended or attacked. I think that's something that you need to dig a little bit deeper on because I've seen that a lot through social media, you know, black and brown people and other minorities discussing the issues and the racism that they felt or dealt with or seen from their peers. And a lot of people get very butthurt honestly I think is the best word and it's like if this has nothing to do with you or this doesn't pertain to you why are you getting hurt and that kind of comes in the aspect of being courageous enough to listen to what uh, people of color are talking about obviously uh, no sane person is going to say well all white people are bad or all white people are racist no you know but they're talking about their experiences and what they felt and sadly you know a lot of times um, it is from white people or white perpetrators from what I've seen with my peers, what they dealt with. So instead of getting hurt or feeling, you know, attacked, try to, you know, as a white person or white individual to talk to your peers about racism and maybe even educating them. And asking, that goes back to asking questions, asking questions respectfully Mm -hmm. and knowing, trying to set limits and boundaries to know where you, when you're going to cross the line and not cross that line where it could be a fight. Mm -hmm. that we will like you. Yeah. <laughs> I would also say my advice on, you know, how to be a better ally or, you know, um, better fight these systems is first start with reflection in yourself. You Absolutely. Know? What kind of privileges do I have? Yeah. 
I can guarantee that 99.999% of us have some sort of privilege that we can be using to help others. Yes. You really have to just sit down with yourself and think, how am I, you know, pushing forward these systems of oppression? Because mm-hmm. you most likely are, whether or not you realize it or not, yeah. you know? And how can I stop that? What can I do? How can I educate others? How can I, you know, you just really have to start with self-reflection first and mm-hmm. then go out into the world. So, yeah. And Sorry, go on. No, I wasn't going to say. <laughs> and with that as well, I think um, talking about privilege, even privilege, even biased, I feel like everyone has um, just the society that we live in, once again, being bombarded with stereotypes and racial ignorance from all aspects of life, black, white, Asian, whatever. Um, once again, look within yourself and see what bias you may have. You know, if you're walking uh, down the street and you see a black male and you feel the need to like clutch your purse unpack that if you see a muslim woman or a muslim man muslim man and you feel uncomfortable or scared unpack that you know it's little bias like that that you may think um, is nothing or you may not even realize until you're in a situation or a space with a muslim person or a black male and they see you clutching your purse and they see you uh being visibly scared once again it's situations like that that cause so much trauma for people of color and minorities so Unpack that bias. See what how you may view people of color. Uh, sit down with yourself and say, do I have racist views? Do I have these biased views? And if you do, unpack them and work on that. I also want to add to that. I want to say with issues of like, you know, racial preference in, in the dating yes, world, you know, if absolutely. you genuinely do not feel attracted to a certain racial group mm-hmm. or a certain, you know, if you like genuinely don't find yourself being attracted to black women or Asian men or black men, whatever unpack that absolutely because trust me it's it's rooted in white supremacy absolutely it's so like the word of the day is unpack that unpack yeah. that yeah. Yeah. yeah so this just the reference of that is like self-reflection and mm. honestly just taking the time to be true because a lot of absolutely sit there and be like oh i'm not hungry like i'm using like the bare minimum of example <laughs> like i'm not hungry i'm not hungry to not eat but really I see that food on the table and I want to eat. Absolutely. So being able to do that is just being honest with yourself. You don't have to do it in front of people. Mm -mm. You know, just sit in a room by yourself. Just think about what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then once you do that, you know, then we can move on to the third and fourth point. Use your voice to amplify those experiences. Mm -hmm. Take action using the knowledge you've gained to change systems of oppression in everyday life from the smallest to the largest issues. Be brave. Once you unpack that. Mm -hmm then, you know, I feel like that's going to leave a lot of people asking, then what? Go out into the world and do what you know to do at that point. Absolutely. Educate your peers. You know, racism comes in so many different languages and dialects. Mm-hmm. Racism looks comes in so many different, you know. Forms and yes, shapes, whatever. Everything. You, there's probably something racist going on around you. If you see your Absolutely. peers saying, making a joke that you may not think is harmful, mm-hmm. but you know that, you know, you know that. It, yeah. Absolutely. On, you know that it's racist. Yeah. Confront your peers educate them on mm-hmm. why that's not okay yes make this a better world for everyone mm-hmm. you know and maybe what they're doing they don't know is racist because they, it was never brought to yeah their exactly so they might be around people that they would do the same thing. yes so if you're a person of color or a person of a different religion culture whatever mm-hmm. you need to you need to respectfully do it and you need to be able to calmly say like you know try to bring it to their attention yeah and whether or not they decide to self-reflect on mm-hmm. why they did that or what was the reason for yeah. them to do that? They, they can. Um, what What was the reason they can do that on their own? Yes, that's not absolutely. Up to you, but you know that you have done mm-hmm. whatever you can. Actually, absolutely. Um, you know, 
just kind of to end things off, I think the main point of what we're trying to talk about here is there's so many layers and different aspects to racism. And obviously, I know the three of us would love to sit back here all day and unpack it as much as we can, but we can't. So I think the two main things that we really try to push is one, educate yourself, educate your peers, educate the people that you're around, because racism is such a big issue and affects so many people. Two, even white people. Absolutely. Two, unpack your bias. Unpack the way you see people, the way you view the world. Because once again, you know, like you guys said, you may not think that you have these racist ideas or these racial prejudices, but once I, I think there's a lot of people that do. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, do what's best for you and the community, and educate yourself so the world can be better and we can kind of end these racial divides block by block by block. Yeah, and guys, this is an issue that is so deep and so mm-hmm. large and so widespread. This is, yes. we see this across the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we obviously, this is not an issue that can be solved overnight, but no. we all have to take the steps that we can mm-hmm. and do what we can to stop this. But um, yeah, guys. Thank you so episode. much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Go out, drink water. Be your best person. Live life. Fight for POC, guys. Absolutely. And have a good day. Yeah, can I just add that for anyone who doesn't know, because I know you've used POC a lot, I figured out like in the middle of this podcast, POC means person of color. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but um, yeah, guys, that's the end of this show. Um, hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. If you guys would, you know, want to educate yourself more on um, race and racial issues, especially with um, the black community, um, I would really recommend um, the book by Dr. Tatum, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? And then uh, Race Matters by Dr. Cornell West. And my book recommendations are Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon and The Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, TED Talk, if you download their app, this is where I see it on. They have a whole section about racism where they have uh, people who talk about it and it's through all different aspects and a lot of different things. So that's really good. The I Can Relate podcast is made possible by private donation and the generosity of Lee Summit Cares. Lee Summit Cares is a nonprofit coalition that seeks to mobilize community partners to develop a culture of physical and mental wellness for Lee Summit youth and families that inspires positive, healthy choices. For more information about Lee Summit Cares, visit lscares.org. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or most any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also find us at icanrelate.fredcast.com. I Can Relate is a production of Fredcast. Think, speak, 